Thanks, Hillary. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, we are uh, brought to you by Keeps. Keeps.com. Keeps. Mm-hmm. Keeps, keeps, keeps will help keep your hair. That's why they oh call it God. Keeps. Mm-hmm. Is that really? Because yeah, I it. just realized that. I yeah. Thought, huh. If your hair isn't looking maybe as full as it used to, mm-hmm. or maybe you're noticing a couple hairs in the sink or the, the shower. Do they have anything you could rub on your nose so the hair doesn't grow in your nose or your ears? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask him about like that. that. I'd like to keep my hair on my head and mm-hmm. lose the hair in my ears. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Um, except yeah. if you go to Keeps. If you go to Keeps, you can have uh, FDA-recommended uh, hair-approved, uh, hair, uh, approved, FDA-approved hair loss treatments. Mm. Um, but uh, Keeps offers the generic versions about half the cost. They make it very easy. You can do it at your house. All you have to do is snap a couple pictures of your hair, not your nose hair. Yeah. Don't do that. I can't help you on that. Don't send them a picture your of your nose hair. Your wife is supposed to help you on that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she's just supposed to say, you've got gross hair in your nose and you got to get it cut. <laughs> um, anyway, keeps. Just go to K-E-E-P-S dot com slash save. You'll save 50% on your first order of keeps. Hair loss treatments. Really simple. You don't have to you, you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own. That's right, hermit. Uh, keeps. K-E-E-P-S dot com. Go there now and save 50%. Uh, make sure you use the uh, keeps.com slash save URL. this little theory that when people are at Davos, you know, uh, flying in the corporate jet and, uh, and and just skiing at night, partying away, and then talking about the little people and how we can help. When they're so busy and they are meeting with world leaders and the partner of Klaus Schwab he is the guy who runs the World Economic Forum. When they are in their big week meeting with prime ministers, heads of corporation, leaders of state, when they take their time to do a thread directly at me because of something I said yesterday on the program, ha, huh, I must be on to something. Why would you take time from all of the pate there at Davos to respond to a guy on the radio? Hmm. I'm going to give you the response. I'm going to tell you what I said. Give the response. (laughs) Then I'm going to use their definitions of this new capitalism that we're all going to love. And you tell me if, uh, using their own words, this is something we're all going to love. Yes. Klaus, Klaus, and Peter, I'm going to respond to you, as I apparently now know you're listening. The truth behind the Great Reset in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So Janice lives in uh, Texas. She's been a substitute teacher, you know, her whole life. Uh, she has to climb stairs every day, and um, she said that there were times I, 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 I just couldn't do it anymore. I had to refuse to go to class. 
Well, let me tell you something, Janice. I know you live in Texas, so it's not the same, but you can refuse. If you live in California or, or, you know, or Illinois, you could refuse to go to class because it's so unsafe because of COVID there. Anyway, uh, she actually wanted to go to class. She developed pain in her hips, her knees, her back. Just got worse and worse every day. She heard me talking about relief factor. She was skeptical at first, but eventually she was like, I got nothing to lose. Within the first three weeks, she tells us, she found that not only was she able to climb the steps pain-free, but she was bounding up them. She said relief factor made her feel young again, and she got out of pain. She got her life back. Janice, I'm sorry that you're now bounding up the stairs because I don't, I mean, take the elevator. You know what I mean? I wish I had the excuse. Um, but uh, you got your life back. Congratulations, and thank you so much for just trying it. That's what you have to do. To get out of pain. I know you've tried a million things. Just try it for three weeks. 70% of the people who try it for three weeks go on to order more because it works for them. Relieffactor.com. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com. And then they have shareholder capitalism, which does not work. And so we must have stakeholder capitalism. Oh, this is great. Now, they've released a little chart yesterday because they say what what I'm saying is completely wrong. And what I'm saying is uh, this is an this is an oligarchy. That's all this is. This is for the oligarchs. You are going to be run by the people. Well, well, not by the people's representatives. I mean, we have a House of Representatives, right, Stu? Don't we? Right, right. Right, representing our needs. Representing our needs. Mm-hmm. They don't have freezer full of ice cream in freezers that most people can't afford. I mean, you no. know what I'm saying? And multiple f- freezers in the same kitchen. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. They are just like you, and they represent you, okay? So it would never happen in America where the people who get power become suddenly very, very rich and even more powerful. And then they start making new laws and dismissing laws for their friends, for the businesses that are helping them. Like, for instance, we would never have social media here going around the Constitution and doing things that constitutionally the government should say, hey, hold on. You can't limit speech. You can't just deperson people. You'd think those representatives, well, I know in our country, those representatives would represent the people, right? I'm sure they would. Okay. So there are types of capitalism. Okay. This is, the, this, this is from the World Economic Forum. Types of capitalism. State capitalism. That's where the government is the key stakeholder. Government steers the economy and can intervene where necessary. It's China's model, right? Russia's model, in theory. Mm, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. State capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, business interests are subsidiary to state interests. Okay. So if the state says we're going to do something, the businesses have to do it. That's state capitalism. Now, what we have is shareholder capitalism. Where the key stakeholders are the company shareholders. You buy into the company. The social responsibility of that business is just to increase its profits. <laughs> Short-term profit maximization is the highest good. And who really touted this? Milton Friedman. Oh, jeez, mm. I hate him. Now, here's the new one. Unlike anything else that I've just... This is completely new. Mm. 
Stakeholder capitalism. Who are the key stakeholders? All stakeholders matter equally. Wow, that's really good. That sounds great. I love equality. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody matters. All right. Um, key characteristic. Society's goal is to increase the well-being of people and the planet. So the implication for the companies, focus on long-term value creation and ESG measures. Oh, wow. This sounds really great. I like that. All stakeholders matter, matter equally. Okay, so now let's get into who defines stakeholders. Yesterday I said, this is the governments of the world coming together and working with big businesses. The governments get power. The big businesses, they get money. And you lose. Um, Peter Van Ham. Peter Van Ham. Hi, it's me, Peter Van Ham from the World Economic Forum. Here's my friend, Klaus Schwab. <laughs> And I'm Peter. Wait, 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 what accent is this exactly? <laughs> what could you describe? I, I don't. I don't know okay. exactly. <laughs> Just making it up as I go. Okay. Peter Schwab. <laughs> Peter. Wait, no. Peter Van Ham. Mm. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm sorry. You're making Peter. me like him more. I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to like this guy, and you're making me like him with his accent. <laughs> and over here, we have beautiful paintings. <laughs> he seems delightful. He does, yeah. doesn't he? Have some Venus all wrapped up in little blankets. <laughs> so um, Peter uh, tweeted. Now he's the he's the co-author of uh, Stakeholder Capitalism. A global economy that works for progress, people, and planet. Klaus Schwab. And Peter Von Ham. So he writes, we address the false notion that any global elites, quote, the corporations and world leaders Glenn Beck talks about, should rule this system. Instead, we plead for subsidiary meaning that decisions are made at the most granular level. Local stakeholders should decide. Oh, that's why my mayor of my little town is in Davos. <laughs> Wait, oh, there's like, no mayors of little towns no, in Davos. I was trying to get a hold of the city council just the other day, and they were all like, we're at Davos, <laughs> working on stakeholder capitalism. Really? Yeah, mm. yeah, okay. So th- this is, because it's so local, it's going to take power away from centralized government? Right. All of the huh. prime ministers and all the big corporations are there, and my city council member, they are lecturing them right now really? on the ski slopes yeah wow with the little wieners <laughs> in the blankets Peter says this is not propaganda as glenn beck asserts mm-hmm. so this guy is this guy's at the world economic forum in davos with the with the wieners in the in the blankets and he's texting this to me okay This is not propaganda, as Glenn Beck asserts. Subsidiary and stakeholder capitalism are approximated in Western European countries like Scandinavia, Benelux. Benelux? I've never even heard of Benelux. And Germany. Oh. Business and governments consult with one another on wages and social security, etc. 
and governments. Now, listen to this. This is how they get to you. Because you're a stakeholder in this. You're a stakeholder. And governments made up of representatives of the people regulate the markets in part to avoid the market concentration and formation of any law unlawful ogalopoly. Mm. And by the way, Glenn, just to reiterate how local this is. Yeah. Uh, Benelux yeah. is the combination of three nations, Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg. Oh, but it's okay. so local. It cares so much about the local uh, <laughs> right. control right. here. They've only just, you know, brought those three nations and just count them as one. Well, thing. I bet that people I bet that was driven by the people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure it was. Um, when populists on the right and left claim that they at least agree they dislike global elites, they miss a much larger fundamental disagreement that they have over the kind of economic and political system that's needed to avoid the oligarchy they both fear. The system we propose is one of stakeholder capitalism. It's capitalism as it recognized the benefits of private enterprise, competition and market forces. But it's a model of consultation with the people, meaning the governments, because we're all represented. Right. Don't you feel like don't you feel like our government listens and responds to you, Mm. the little people? (laughs) <laughs> I know I do. Um, and it, it's a model of consultation. And I love this. And this is really important. It's a model of consultation with the people and the planet. Hang on. Quiet. I'm consulting with the planet right now. Shut up. Really? Oh, uh, I mean, you're. Positive. I don't want to make a mistake on this one. All right. Uh, Stu, the planet said you have to throw yourself into a volcano. Really? Yeah. I yeah. would not be surprised. So I'm just I'm just on. I'm just taking consultation and listening to the planet. That's what I'm doing. So and I believe if I go to the representatives in Washington, I believe I could convince a lot of them that you should throw yourself <laughs> into a volcano if you're tied to me. Yes. If you're tied directly mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So, Peter, thank you so much, darling, for writing in. That's wonderful. But what? we don't like it. We don't like it. It's, uh, I don't know. I like my mayor, you know, and maybe the local boss of the uh, local restaurant. Mm, I'm just saying. Although your wieners in a blanket are wonderful. Let me go over. <laughs> you can't hmm? possibly believe that we should try, let's say, kind of an experiment of uh, people governing themselves. You wouldn't think that would be appropriate, that people should make decisions based on their own no, self-interest. They don't, know. And- they don't know. They're not smart enough. They're not mm-hmm. smart enough. What we need are these world leaders. Right. And, and quite honestly, yesterday, I, I'm going to give you this quote, uh, yesterday at the World Economic Forum in Davos, um, they said that uh, let me see here bah, 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 bah. the in fact i have the audio instead of reading it let me give you the audio it is beninoff yes mark beninoff ceo of uh i don't know uh people that do stuff for you.com here's what he here's what he said at davos yesterday ceos around the world need to realize they must manage for all stakeholders not just shareholders and there has been a mantra for too long that the business of business is business. But today, the business about business is improving the state of the world. 
And this is more important than ever. We realize that. And so thank you, Klaus, for that. And we don't have to look any farther to that mantra than 2020 itself, the year of the pandemic. In the pandemic, it was CEOs in many, many cases all over the world who were the heroes. They are the ones who step forward with their financial resources, their corporate resources, their employees, their factories, (sighs) and pivoted rapidly. Yes. Not for profit. Right. But to save the world. Right. That is so that is so true. Finally, somebody's saying it. The CEOs are the heroes. Amen. Amen to that. Now, the secretary general of the OECD said, we don't want to return to normal. I mean, don't you feel that way? We don't want to return to normal. We don't want COVID to end and for us to return to some form of status quo because the status quo caused this, brought us here to our knees. Those wishing to return to normal must inherently wish for disease and destruction to return and must secretly wish for death in the future. Oh, man. Prime Minister of Spain said, let's not delude ourselves. There can be no social justice without tax justice. Now, there's a guy speaking for all of us, huh? It's time to go one step further. It's not enough to distribute income more fairly through taxation, but take serious steps to ensure equal distribution of wealth to all people, all races, and all nations. Prime Minister of Spain yesterday. Man, I, let me tell you something. This is an organ. I was wrong. Peter, thank you. Uh, This is absolutely an organization of we the people. I'm going to show you how we were actually warned by one of our presidents uh, in recent modern history about this very thing. Coming up in just a second. Blinds.com is... um, is uh, is our sponsor this half hour you can do something about those old window blinds you know the ones that look like somebody flew an airplane through them yeah yeah blinds.com best in the business right now they're offering huge savings on everything site-wide including blinds shades interior shutters even outdoor shades whether you're looking for blackout shades or that perfect glow you can choose from a beautiful array of options and they're going to be customized just for your home Blinds.com. Guaranteed perfect fit, whether you do it yourself or have them handle the install from start to finish. Don't wait to save. Take advantage of Blinds.com's incredible New Year's savings event. Kick off 2021 by turning your dream home into a reality with a brand new view you can all enjoy all year long. Start today. Visit Blinds.com. Now save big on the New Year's easiest home improvement project. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's Blinds.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. You know, um, Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the guy, you know, that really kind of won the war for us in World War II. In his farewell address, uh, it, people miss the point. And, and this is something that you know. You know one line from it. You know this line about the, um, the um, uh, military-industrial complex. And a military-industrial complex will rule the world. We've, we've all heard that over and over again. He is speaking with real foresight. 
He had learned about the power of large corporations, had discovered that public and private power tend to prioritize their own interest and well-being over ours. Right now, in 2021, America needs to hear his words again. We finally have an answer to the question, what happens when corporations are in league with government programs? We know now. The bad news is our nation is turning into an oligarchy. Exactly like Eisenhower warned. Everybody remembers his comments about the military industrial complex, but he also warned us about something else. Dangerous merging of industry and government and education. Listen into and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly. A steadily increasing share is conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor, tinkering in his shop, has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the free university, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. You hear that? They're not curious about things. They just follow the money. Technological revolution resulted in its own family tree of industrial complexes. Do I have enough time here to play the education industrial complex? Listen. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, <laughs> and the power of money is ever present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Hmm. Huh. I can't imagine that happening. This is him in the 1950s warning exactly against something like the Great Reset. I want you to do your own homework, their own words, spell it out. You know, it's interesting how they just keep referring to stakeholders as you. But what you need to understand, you are only representative, represented by the government. This is the Glenn Beck program. All right. We have Ken Paxton on uh, coming up in just a second. He's going to tell us about uh, one of the lawsuits they just won against Biden here in the great state of Texas. What if you had a time machine that could allow you to go back at any moment in your past? What moments would you relive? You don't have a time machine, but we do have old photos and videos and films, the videotapes and audio tapes. All those moments that were captured now sit in a box in your garage, a jumble of bygone formats. Now, here's the good news. Legacy Box can transform that old box of fading memories into something lasting. You use their kit to safely send the moments you want to preserve. And their team will create a digital collection, and then it comes back to you, stored on the cloud, a thumb drive, DVD, all with the original content that you sent. 
If you wanted to do this yourself, it would cost you hundreds of dollars. But right now you can save 50% and start for as little as 39 bucks. It's LegacyBox.com slash back. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Get 50% off. LegacyBox.com slash back. You know you've wanted to do this for a long time. Do it right now. Save 50%. LegacyBox.com slash back. And go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You're going to save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Do it now. Two weeks ago on TV, we talked about government and private industry coming together in the Biden administration. They're just getting started. Every time you open a closet at the Biden White House, there's another special interest skeleton that tumbles out. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the major stakeholders who have their tentacles all over this White House. The new Biden administration already showing America the natural end result that comes from decades of being dominated by special interest groups. Eventually, you get government that at the top is so beholden to these groups, you can call them stakeholders. The stakeholders have vested interest in the actions and policies of the government, financial interest, ideological interest, often both. These stakeholders always take priority over you and me. Tonight, I'll show you the stakeholders in this new stakeholder capitalism and the Biden administration, what they want, who they're working with inside the Biden administration, 9 p.m. Eastern on BlazeTV.com and BlazeTV YouTube. 9 p.m. Eastern, BlazeTV.com or BlazeTV YouTube. We have Ken Paxton with us. Um, he is the uh, 51st Attorney General of uh, Texas. He has uh, fought and won many of the cases against um Barack Obama's administration, and they've just posted their first victory on the Biden administration, the first one to bring a lawsuit. And within six days, Texas has halted uh, Biden's illegal deportation freeze. Joining us now is Ken Paxton. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. It's been a fast start, hasn't it? Uh, uh, it is breathtaking how quickly things are changing. Uh, and, and quite honestly, we were talking about it in the break. A little frightening. Um, it, 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 I agree. It is frightening. It's, it's, I've never, I don't think it's ever happened this fast. I mean, I think uh, Biden is off to the fastest start of any president and just uh, issuing executive orders and changing sort of what we had going. Yeah, he had a, uh, he's had a record of, uh, I think, 38, uh, which just smashes all the other records of uh, executive orders. He's signing more today. This one, uh, they are going to preserve I don't know what that means exactly. I, I fear I do. I've read Agenda 2030. Preserve 30% of all federal land by 2030. I don't, that's not uh, good. I don't know exactly what that means, but that doesn't sound good. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. First, let's talk about the win that you had. Um, tell me about the lawsuit and, and what it means. So we had a, a, an agreement that we signed with the Department of Homeland Security recently that said that if they were going to change major immigration policies, that we were going to be provided uh, notice. Um, and so obviously the executive order that came out that ended all deportations and the invitation for people to cross the border uh, didn't meet those, uh, those requirements. And so we filed a lawsuit on uh, President Biden's third day 
And we challenged that executive order, not just based on that agreement, but also based on the fact that federal law requires him to do certain things that he has said now he will not do. And so we argue that he violated federal law and his constitutional duty to enforce the laws that now exist. And so what did the judge say? So the judge basically gave us, we were asking for a preliminary injunction, uh, a temporary injunction first. Uh, We're going to seek a permanent injunction next. And we did that because we had to show that there was harm to the state of Texas if this went forward while we were litigating the merits of the case. So we haven't won the merits of the case. We've merely made a good argument showing that we will suffer irreparable harm as a state if this goes forward. And it, it wasn't hard for us to show that given that we already have a mass of people coming up from the southern border essentially have COVID, that potentially have other communicable diseases, that potentially are criminals, and that will cost the state of Texas billions of dollars. And so that harm was not hard to show, in my opinion. So how are you going to argue for permanent, uh, especially with the way this administration is moving, where social justice uh, outweighs everything. Well, it's it's going to be pretty much the same argument. It, it, just to say we are going to suffer damage. We need time to to have this question answered as to whether the president is violating federal law by stopping the you know the implementation of what is federal law. Is, is it can he do that? And and the the argument that we need uh, time or we will be harmed. Still, it's the exact same argument, just that we need longer to decide the merits of the case. So, but 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 wait, what what I'm saying is, if if you're arguing, and uh, you know Biden, this is all changing now. We're not talking about rule of law anymore. We're talking about uh, social justice outweighing absolutely everything. If they um, if they win, and he can just say we're not going to do any of that. A, isn't that what they've already done with, with uh, you know, we're not going to enforce, you know, busts on pot. So haven't they already done that? And if they do uh, codify this in the courts, then doesn't this make him in some ways a dictator to where he could just administratively do whatever the president can, not just Biden, but any president could just do whatever they want. And it never has to go through legislation. No, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, and it, it means literally that Congress becomes almost irrelevant, the courts become not so relevant, and the states that are supposed to have all these powers reserved to them that are not specifically granted to the federal government also lose their power. It does become a real focus on one person having all of the power, which clearly was not what our framers intended. So, Ken, I've talked to other attorney generals uh, around the country, and they are as just as concerned as I am. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, I know many of them are all working together to try to stop this onslaught. Um, but is there, is there any conversation about a, a sanctuary state of, of not secession or anything like that, but just saying this state will not violate the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And if you try to do these things that are unconstitutional, this is a safe haven, a sanctuary state for rights. You know, it's interesting that conversation has not come up among the AGs specifically, but I was at a conference with 
technology leaders around the country. And, and most of them were actually pointing to that by saying they were either considering or they were on their way or they had already moved to Texas or Florida because they felt like those were states that they could go and be safe and that, that, that this, the risk in the states that they're in is, is becoming untenable for them. And they're trying to find a safe haven where they will be, where their rights will be respected, and they will have continuing opportunities to work. Uh, and I mean, how do we do that? They are already talking about, you know, if you're depersoned, that you won't. What was it? The head of Mastercard said yesterday, "We don't have to do business with just anybody." Meaning, if we don't, <clears throat> if we don't like the business that they're in, <clears throat> we can just say we're not doing business with them anymore. And this is a growing trend. And when it comes to businesses like mine or for anybody that is unpopular, uh, this is extraordinarily dangerous. It, it, are the states, will Texas stand behind the universal God-given rights that we have always stood with? We will in my office. You know, I'm part of you know, I'm part of the entire state. I'm not the entire state, but we will at my office. That's why we are now investigating the five companies that were related to the parlor deplatforming because we want to understand how, how can they, how are they doing this? How how do they have the authority to just deplatform a whole company because they disagree with their their views or they disagree with the people that they allow to speak? Are you and the governor having conversations at all about? critical race theory to make sure that's not being taught in our schools? Well, I haven't had those conversations. So I, that's not an area that I can do much about as attorney general, um, unless there's some specific violation of law. My job is to enforce whatever laws we have. So I always have to look for my way of getting into court. Well, we can't, all... we can't teach discrimination in schools, can we? No. But that, that would be a, probably if they were teaching discrimination law school, law, uh, in schools, that would be a probably a, a lawsuit by an aggrieved party, a student, a parent who okay. said, hey, I, I, you can't do this in, in this school. And then it becomes under your purview. Well, so then if the school asks me to represent them and I think they're wrong, I say no. I can't, I'm not representing you. This is a legitimate lawsuit, and, and you need to be accountable for doing the right thing. Okay. What, do you have any advice for what the average person should be doing right now in their state? A absolutely. I think they should be speaking out. I think that the, the more voices that are speaking out, because what is going to happen, my concern is, you know, they go after the president, and people don't say anything. If we, if we keep quiet right now, if people are afraid to speak, which I see some of this, I see some of this with you know, some of my fellow AGs, I see this in a lot of circles. People are afraid that if they speak out, they'll be deplatformed or they'll be canceled. So if we if we don't all speak out, if we don't address these election issues in states where there was, you know, they weren't following their their own laws, we have to address that now or it will be too late. They will come and deplatform all of us. And if you think you're going to hide from that, you're not going to hide from it. They may get to somebody else first. But unless we're all working together, it's going to be a problem. Ken, thank you very much. Uh, thank Absolutely. you for thanks for staying on top of things and thank the governor for us as well. We are counting on uh, our state reps and our governor and you to stand and fight the good fight against 
this onslaught that is coming uh, our way quickly. I'll say this, Glenn, if Texas doesn't fight, if we are in the middle of this fight, um, I don't think we have much hope. I think it's Texas has to be in the fight. Texas has got to. I mean, I've, I've talked to sheriffs and they've said, if I have to deputize every single citizen in my county, so they have the right to carry a gun. We're not backing. We're not backing down. It's got Texas must. I mean, it's really sad. I talked to Christy Nome and I'm like, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. Texas should be knocking you into the dust right now. Uh, we need to be Texas. We need to stand and be very clear and be a leader for freedom. It's supposed to be the Alamo. Agree. Thank you yep. very much. Absolutely. Agree. Thanks, <clears throat> Appreciate it. Ken Paxton, Attorney General of uh, Texas. If you're a cyber criminal, you're going to have to get up pretty early in the morning if you want to pull a fast one on, uh, you know, on some of us, on some of us. Uh, I don't want to challenge anyone, but uh, every time I sit down on my uh, my computer, I've got a uh, I've got rubber gloves on. I wear a mask. Uh, I wash with antibacterial. So I'm not getting one of those viruses. I'm not going to do it. And uh, now you're really healthy. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, I don't I don't want to say it out loud, but I might as well get off my digital lawn, you <laughs> bums. The real reason that you shouldn't be worried about getting viruses or anything else and losing your identity is because you have LifeLock identity, uh, anti-identity theft protection. You have uh, somebody that is monitoring your transactions. Yeah, okay, bank or the credit card will do that. But that, that's not nearly enough. First of all, nobody can do all of that. Um, and if you want to keep what's yours, yours, you need to make sure that you have your identity l- locked up. Lock up your life with LifeLock. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with the promo code BECK. Call and use 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK or head over to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK and you're going to save 25% off now. Promo code BECK 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. There seems to be something illegal happening, but it's not illegal. Uh, apparently reddit <laughs> is pushing stocks and uh gamestop has gone through the roof i mean like yeah crazy I mean, amounts gamestop of course a uh brick and mortar largely mall based physical video game retailer uh-huh. not exactly the best business to be in in 2020 and 2021 it's been sitting at about five bucks a share throughout entire 20 of 2020 and uh, there's a there's a Reddit message board called Wall Street Bets. It's been around for a long time. They take really risky bets and they talk about them. You know, it's been around for a while. And there's been lots of really interesting stories that have developed out of this message board over the years. This one, they decided one guy decided to invest fifty thousand um, dollars because he saw something interesting in the GameStop uh, trading world, which was everyone predictably was shorting GameStop stock they all thought it was going to go to zero which is seemingly where it should have be should be going probably mm-hmm. at this point uh so these billion dollar hedge funds multi-billion dollar hedge funds came in and they were able to identify that there was not a lot of shares available that they had actually shorted more shares than were available in the entire stock so if they could get if they could get enough people to just start buying this stock it would go up and it would it would trip a bunch of different tripwires that make 
people buy the stock back to cover their positions. So they would buy the stock back, then it would just keep going up and up and up and up and up, and it's, it's what's called a short squeeze. Um, but it is a, it's a little bit complicated to go through the details of it, but it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is this: they were able to push this stock from $5 to this morning it hit $350 a share. That is crazy. In, in, in a matter, I mean, really, it's all happened within the last week or two. So if you're GameStop... I mean, are you freaking out? Because it's going to it'll collapse once everybody's made their money. It shouldn't. It's not valued. Yeah. The big that. the big hedge funds they were targeting finally gave up and said, all right, we're pulling all of our money out. I mean, they basically beat this hedge fund. Now, all of this sounds very fun and it is really fun in some ways. Like these guys basically, you know, David taking down Goliath in some ways. And they're looking they like it because they don't like some of these billionaires. They don't like some of these hedge funds, what they do to companies. There's a there's a sort of. I don't know, almost a left-wing anti-capitalist mm-hmm. message in here as well. The other side of this, though, is that when things like this happen to a lot of billionaires and a lot of people, by the way, also, you know, teachers unions and uh, pension funds and all the things that are wrapped up in these hedge funds, uh, when they don't ha- no longer have a retirement, the government see- usually cracks down on such things. And you could see this going the opposite way really fastly from happy, happiness to sadness. Um, we'll see what happens, but it's now down from 350 to 270, so it's Jeez. already started to drop again. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch, and has been so far. How'd you like to be an employee at GameStop? This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, let me tell you about uh, American financing. Let's say you want to get one of those lizard cars. Right, you want to refinance. Right. Uh, take some of the equity out of your house to right. buy this multi-million right. this dollar happens. car. I've, I've already taken a lot of my equity out, put it on GameStop. Mm-hmm. I'll get one of those <laughs> I'll get one of those lizard cars. I mean, Hillary's really mm. going to need to remortgage because right. of all the she's money that she's spending on, on our cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, we have uh, some solutions to the masks coming up. Uh, so uh, just you're safe. If really important, if you have time to call American Financing today, you uh, it will be very well worth your while. If you are paying more than 4% on your mortgage, or if you're paying double digits on your credit cards, you got to stop that. Stop it. Plain and simple, if you're a homeowner, the best thing you can do today is refinance your mortgage without resetting it. Call American Financing right now at 800-906-2440. Don't tell them you're going to buy a lizard car with it. Uh, 800-906-2440. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. science man it's science we want to talk a little bit about covid and uh the report that came out yesterday uh on cnbc that yes one mask is good two masks are better but three masks may be the secret number well i want to i want to tell you a little story it's called the 15 dollars minimum wage and i'm going to show you i'm going to show you how this all works uh we do that in 60 seconds Program. Do you hear about Mike Lindell? Permanently banned now on Twitter. Permanently banned on Twitter. Unbelievable. I mean, this is this is insane. 
you know, they, they already went after his business when he was supporting the president. Uh, you know, the um, uh, what is it? The Better Business Bureau. And I know the story. I know I know all the details of what happened there. Uh, and it, it, it was a political hatchet job. Mike just does not seem to care, though. I mean, he's, he's no, out. He, he just keeps he keeps talking. Doesn't doesn't mind telling no. you exactly what he thinks, and he doesn't care how much you threaten his business. And look, if you don't if you don't like what he says, don't don't listen. If you don't like what he says, don't buy his pillow. You know, I happen to actually like his pillow, and if I don't like what he says, I still sleep well. If I do <laughs> like what he says and I like his pillow, I might buy the sheets. I might buy the towel sets too. Uh, I might support somebody who is being depersoned right now. MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Check out the buy one, get one free offer on the Giza Dream Sheets. These are really, really good sheets. I never tell you to buy something that I don't either like or use, uh, find value in. And I certainly don't ever say, you know what? These are inferior, but they're on our side. So buy them. But that's stupid. These sheets are the best sheets I've slept on. They are so good. And you can get one uh, for free when you buy another set. So the Giza Dream Sheets. Also, deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117. You know, since Mike has, has been banned permanently from Twitter, you might want to just you know tweet out that you're getting a MyPillow at MyPillow.com and they've got a two-for-one special. I mean, I think that would be it would be nice just for your friends, <clears throat> you know, just to let people know that you're you're at MyPillow.com or their number 800-966-3117. Do it now. MyPillow.com. It's science, man. It's science. OK, I'm a doctor. Uh, and uh, we want to get into some heavy-duty science. Let me start with CNBC's report yesterday on masks. The experts keep telling us that wearing masks is really about protecting ourselves, ourselves protecting yeah. others from ourselves yeah, in the event yeah. that we are contagious. Uh -huh. But, you know, if other people aren't wearing their masks right. or they're wearing them improperly, uh -huh. we need to protect ourselves. Okay. So experts say you can double up with a tight-weave fabric mask for added protection. Okay. Now, Virginia Tech researchers found that doubling up these cloth masks increases the efficacy from 50 to 75 percent. Huh. A three-layer mask could block up to 90 percent wow. of the particles. Wow. So you get three masks, you're up to 90. Now, you could just buy the N95, which filters out 95 percent of all dangerous uh, particles but and when those were tough tough to get at one point but now you can really go into any home depot and uh, yeah in the, the n95 that would stop you from having to wear three masks uh didn't stop uh mitt romney who's always a leader he's always a leader uh and mm -hmm. i just i just uh he's got a sweet spirit i just love him to death and yeah, nice. uh uh he was on the floor of the senate and uh, he was wearing two masks yesterday and i thought you know mitt I know you know. I know you know about these things. You may not be a doctor like I am, but I know you know these things. I mean, you don't just take a piggly tie your dog to the roof of your car without having some idea of science. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so um, uh, I, I, I say this with all humility to that sweet, sweet dear man, uh, Mitt Romney. I have 25 masks now. Yesterday we got it up to 10, but your ears 
start to uh, rip off your head. There's a structural collapse around 10 to 12 masks uh, where your ears do not hold them. Your ears don't Mm -hmm. actually have any bones, surprisingly. Most people. I'm a doctor, so I knew this, Mm -hmm. but uh, most people don't know. Your ears don't have actual bones in them. Hmm. So there's no real structure there. No. And so they'll just rip right off your face if you put, I had 11 but I think that as a doctor, I would not recommend more than 11 masks tied to your ears. However, we did go and we found these little mask thingies that you can put on the mask mm-hmm. that uh, it's like string. And then you can adjust it on the back of your head. It's like the fat guy seatbelt extender on airplanes. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Not that I know. Not that I have to use those. Not that I've ever sat next to my wife and she said, why aren't you buckling up? And I, you know. I don't have any experience. Well, that's just anyway. uh, So, uh, so now twenty-five masks. This this will filter out seven hundred and well. Let me just now. You just put it up here. Now my nose hurts a little bit from yesterday because it kind of crushes your nose Mm -hmm. when you really tighten it up. So now these twenty-five masks will filter out. 780% 780% of all particles. 780%? 780%. Add another 10, you're up to 1,000%. So if we had another 10, uh, we, you, if you had COVID, now this is speaking as a doctor, and I hate to get into science like this, but if, you're, uh, if you do have COVID mm-hmm. and you're wearing a 1,000 masks, it actually sucks the COVID out of your body. It sucks the COVID out of your body? Yes, and it, uh, and, and it, it and, and you're cured. Now, I don't want to talk about cures, because this is just... Well, I, I haven't run it by the FDA yet. No, no, no sign-off by Fauci on that one yet. Right, but, Either. A, but a thousand masks will really... Now, you're going to have a hard time, because it's going to be like your... Uh, I don't know, like Pinocchio. Right. You know, when his nose was really long. Yeah, it's a lot of masks. You can't turn really easily because you, you, you got a thousand masks on. Right, a thousand masks. Uh, but this is just, uh, this is 25 masks, and I feel comfortable. Uh, I don't think that my life is being disrupted at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I don't think it looks ridiculous. I think people will see this and they'll go, that guy is safe. There's okay. a lot of pressure on the nose. I mean, the nose is also... Yes. Are there bones in the nose, doctor? There are bones in the nose, okay. but they're higher up. You know, they're up here. Uh, okay. You're really worried about the cartilage yes. right here at the end, because that really does hurt. I think I have a nosebleed, but the good thing is the masks are completely absorbing all of the blood. It's like a maxi pad for your nose. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. So, scientifically, now, yeah, I was gonna say it sounds a little, it sounds a little gross <laughs> coming it. from a non-doctor. But as a doctor, <laughs> I am telling you, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with strapping a couple of uh, uh, feminine hygiene products to your face. No. Twenty-five feminine hygiene products is like a hundred face masks. What? A hundred? Uh, yeah. Did you say a hundred face masks? A hundred okay. face masks. Uh, that's what that's like. Now, my understanding is if you, you said a thousand face masks will suck the COVID out of you. Yes, a thousand will. Let's just, let me, I want to throw a theory by you. I'm not okay. a doctor. Yes. If you were to put on 5,000 face masks. Yes, your whole family is safe. Okay. 
Now, let me ask another question. Okay, all right. If you were to put on 10,000 face masks, could you bring people (sighs) back from the dead that died of COVID like Pet Cemetery? Well, I don't as a doctor, okay? Mm -hmm. I I don't have this peer-reviewed yet. You don't have it peer-reviewed, okay. So I'm just saying in the studies that I have done, Mm -hmm. if they are, if you're wearing 5,000 N95 masks, (laughs) Yes. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. You can't, you have to be extraordinarily careful when you're walking near graveyards. <laughs> really? Yes. Because the, the, the people, people will, will just wake up and then you'll hear from under the ground, Help, I'm still alive. Can you let me out? And uh, then, this it's really might... ugly because you don't know who's been killed because they, you know, were supposed to die and, uh, you know, they were a killer or something like that and they were executed or if they just died of COVID because it, if you're wearing the N95, it saves everybody. Is it possible this is how The Walking Dead started? That documentary? Where people were... There was a zo- well, can I tell you something right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know when you see the speeches... <laughs> your scientific opinion is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you need me to break that down for you? If you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Do you um, have a prescription you could write? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to break it down, <laughs> yes. Uh, I think so. Yeah, There's uh, the a bit of physical pain involved in this uh, in this bit. Again, I mean the science. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I I wear this in honor of that sweet, sweet, dear, dear, sweet spirited mm-hmm. man, Mitt Romney, mm-hmm. who I just think is a leader, uh, who is a genius, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody that I really, really respect. 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 Mm-hmm. Did you understand that? It's a little hard to understand. I'm just trying to... Oh, I guess you can really understand what yeah. I was telling you about my respect for Mitt Romney. Do you think that you are a hateful COVID denier that should be thrown off the internet if you're only wearing three masks? Well, I think definitely under 10. Under 10? Anything under 10? Under 10, you should... Well, <laughs> under 10, thrown off a de-platform, you shouldn't be able to use a bank. No banks, okay. Uh, uh, but if you if you're uh, let's say you're not wearing uh, you're not wearing eight mm-hmm. execution. Exec- I'm sorry. Execution, okay, but a different kind of execution. I suggest that if you're wearing under eight masks, mm-hmm. that you are sent to New York and Andrew Cuomo can put you into one of the nursing homes. Okay. You just get uh, free free lodging at an Andrew Cuomo nursing home. Yes, and the mm-hmm. and the state will then kill you there mm. slowly. It's classy. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, enough for the science. Ow, ow, ow. It really is. It hurts your nose. Oh, hurts. But it's worth it if it just saves one child. Isn't it worth it still? Well, I think it's mostly worth it because both of us have already had COVID, so there's be. Absolutely no improvement, and not ninety percent improvement, zero percent improvement, because we can't, you know, we're not going to get it again. Well, a thousand has three zeros in it, so if you're wearing a thousand masks, it's three times as better as none. Mm. That's not how it works, doctor. No, you don't understand. (laughs) No, it's true. Let me take you a real quick. uh, I don't uh, break and tell you about AMAC. Knowing on who you can count on has always been a valuable commodity. For instance, can I trust this thousand mask theory? Yeah, you can. Now, did you get it from a reliable source? Sure, me. Um, but what about what about if I read it, you know, from some organization that does work in Washington? Huh. Probably not as reliable. Unless it's AMAC. 
AMAC is a is a uh, association for mature American citizens. It's a seniors group that has now over two million members. They give you everything that you everything that you need, all the discounts and everything else that you're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to go. I don't know. Cross the country and we're going to need AAA and we're going to need discounts on hotels and, you know, whatever, whatever people, you know, that are 50 plus. I don't know what those people do, but whatever it is, those people do. You'll get the discounts. Shut up, Stu. Uh, You'll get the discounts. Now, the other thing is they really work in Washington to represent you. They represent faith, reason. Uh, courage, solvency, you know, for the national debt, sanctity of life. They have a full-time presence in Washington, and AMAC has been pushing back for years against the radical left's socialist agenda. I believe they started around the Obama healthcare time. Uh, they are in it for the right reasons. The benefits are great. The cause is greater. It's our freedom. AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S, AMAC dot U-S slash Beck. AMAC.US slash Beck. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. 10 seconds, station ID. You know, you want to you, you see somebody who's been, I, I think, red-pilled, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know if she would say it this way, but Tulsi Gabbard. What <laughs> is happening with Tulsi Gabbard? I'm relatively certain she would not say it that way. <laughs> No, but I mean, can explain it another way. I well, mean, have you seen what she's saying? She issued a dire warning to the American people on Tuesday, expressing concern, quote, that domestic entities, enemies of the United States in the national security community and big tech industry are plotting to create a police state in America. She said the uh, CIA director, John Brennan and Adam Schiff. Two leading proponents of expanding national security powers, labeling them domestic enemies of the country. Now, is that different than Adam Schiff or is that as Adam Schiff, a new guy I need to be aware of? No, I, it's kind mm-hmm. of a Adam Schiff, Adam Shifty. It's okay. kind of just in between. It's, mm-hmm. I want to remind people mm-hmm. that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it also, uh, you know, if you uh, it's also Adam, you take the C out and the F's and just move the T closer in and you'll know, I got you sure you don't need me no, to go I, further? I, I think I you explained it. Because mm-hmm. I can put it out on the chalkboard and really work it out for you if you'd like. Surprisingly, no, you don't need the, to do that. Uh, <laughs> the mob who stormed the Capitol on January 6th to try to stop Congress from carrying out its constitutional responsibilities were behaving like domestic enemies of our country, Gabbard said. But let's be clear. John Brennan, the Adam Schiffs, and the oligarchs in big tech who are trying to undermine our constitutionally protected rights and turn our country into a police state with KGB style surveillance are also domestic enemies and much more powerful, therefore dangerous, more dangerous than the mob that stormed the Capitol. She doesn't. She doesn't have a prayer. And no. she just doesn't have a prayer of. I mean, I'm surprised that the, the helicopters haven't picked her up already to take her to. A nice little summer camp. Yeah, she. I mean, look, she has a lot of really far left wing policies, but she's always been very against that sort of she Clinton loves a, establishment type. Yeah, she loves America. There, there's that. That's one oh, thing man, you can say. Served, yeah. yeah, there's one thing you could say, and that's why you know you can have disagreements with people, 
But when they when they actually love America, like I, I couldn't take that from all of these Democrats during the um, uh, the inauguration with all of the flags up there and all of the things and the Star Spangled Banner and the oh, but it is a tear to my eye. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You've been saying for the last five years how much this country sucks, how this flag is a symbol of oppression, how the Star Spangled Banner is a symbol of oppression and a song of oppression. I mean, I, I just can't take it. But I can take differences of opinions easy. But to at least believe in the Bill of Rights. And I think Tulsi Gabbard does. We've been trying to get her on the show for some reason. For some reason, she doesn't want to come on the show. That's weird, isn't it? That is very strange. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by that. Oh, you know who I have on for the podcast tomorrow? Oh, you're going to love this. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber, you're going to get it two days before anybody else. Tomorrow, I have the head of the astronomy uh, department at Harvard. His credentials are a mile long, who says... Uh, we've already <clears throat> we've been visited <clears throat> in 2017 by aliens. <clears throat> and he said, uh, you know, I can make a pretty good case. He's got a new book out called Extraterrestrials. And it's about that. Remember that that sh- cigar shaped. Oh, yeah. OK. Uh, asteroid. I got up to like chapter four last night. It's he's like, it's not an asteroid. And here's why. And he explains it. He explains how it was shiny. It was like mirror-like or metallic. And uh, the way it behaved, he said, comes destroys everything we know about the physical universe. If this indeed is an asteroid or a meteorite or something, it did not behave within the, the principles of physics. And he said, so it would be impossible. It would be impossible. Mm-hmm. Or our physics are wrong. And he said, we, we, we should have this talk, but nobody wants to talk about it because, you know, oh, right, right, right. It's an alien ship. Well, what else is it? And he's not saying it's an alien ship. He said, it's the best, easiest explanation. But if it's not, what is it? And the way he talks about it is phenomenal. He's going to do a podcast with me tomorrow, and you'll be able to hear that. Tonight, for Blaze TV subscribers, and also I think we're putting this on the Blaze TV YouTube channel, tonight I'm going to talk to you about uh, what's happening in the Biden administration and all of these oligarchs and the way they are now structuring uh, the government. A recent article in Foreign Affairs written by Samantha Power, yeah, she's back, President Biden had made her the new head of USAID. And then he put USAID, that seat, on the National Security Council. Why? Here's what she says. No leader wants it known that he has used his position of power and privilege to help himself and his cronies profit at the expense of citizens. That's the accidental definition of Joe Biden. So we started looking into the crony capitalism two weeks ago on Glenn TV and tonight We're picking that baton back up, and we're going to look at more of the deep-pocketed stakeholders from BlackRock and Big Tech who have unprecedented White House access to further the worldwide agenda that is happening right now in Davos. It's amazing that the World Economic Forum actually responded to this program yesterday. I said something on this program yesterday, 
and from Davos, they tweeted back, and they said, "That's uh, Glenn Beck is just, this isn't right. Oh, yes, it is, and we explained it in the first hour of this, uh, of this broadcast today. Something is very, very wrong, and you need to know about it. It happens tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern on blazetv.com slash Glenn or Blaze TV YouTube. Don't miss it. Share it with a friend. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Ah, steaks. Is there anything better than a great steak? I'm thinking. Children? A great steak. I can't think of anything better than a great steak right now. And the best steaks are from Omaha Steaks. This has been America's butcher for, I don't, I don't even know, since like 1913 or 1911. They've been in the business for over 100 years. And the reason why they've been in the business that long is because they just make the best spoon-cut uh, fillets you've ever had in your life. I mean, their steaks are so tender, and it's because they age their steaks 21 days. And right now, if you go to their website at omahasteaks.com, you enter the keyword Beck into the search bar, you'll get a special price for their package right now, the Best Sellers Griller Pack, the Butcher's Best Sellers. It includes four of their iconic fork tender butcher cut fillets, uh, four juicy burgers, four pork chops, desserts, so much more. And if you use the promo code Beck, you'll get four more chicken breasts and four more burgers for free. OmahaSteaks.com, promo code Beck. When you subscribe to Blaze TV, I don't think they send you any steaks, but you do get a lot of good conservative programming. Go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn, and you'll save 30 bucks. So $15 an hour. Why only $15 an hour? I mean, it's like the masks, you know? Well, if one mask is good, two masks is better. Why not three? Why not seven? Why not 25? Uh, same thing with with uh, minimum wage. Why, why shouldn't the minimum wage be something really living? And maybe, you know, something that includes like where, where you could buy a house, maybe like $60,000 a year. I mean, why don't we just do that? Why stop at 15? Uh, Brian Riedel is uh, with us. He's the uh, senior fellow of the Manhattan Institute. He's a guy who doesn't care who's in office, Republicans or Democrats. Uh, he uh, he points out both of them suck when it comes to actually living by the budget. <laughs> uh, and we wanted to talk to him about the $15 wage. And also, uh, how long can we last at these kind of spending uh, limits? Uh, we go to Brian now. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm great, Glenn. How are you? Very good. By the way, I forgot to mention you were also uh, one of the uh, researchers and co-authors of the book Broke, which was fantastic. I, at least they tell me. <laughs> uh, it was a great book. I was honored to have helped uh, in my own little way. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Okay. So, Brian, let's talk about the $15 uh, dollar, uh, wage. Mm-hmm. What will that do to the nation? Well, you know, the Congressional Budget Office said that even if we did it gradually during an economic boom, it would cost between 1.3 and 3.7 million jobs. Instead, they're talking about doing it during a recession, which means you're going to lose even more. But that's not even the worst of it. They would also raise the tipped minimum wage, you know, what waiters and waitresses make, from 213 to $15. So think of what what restaurants are going through right now. Restaurants 
are, are going through their, their worst crisis in history. Millions have gone under. Many others are on the brink of bankruptcy. And the solution in the stimulus bill is to increase their minimum wage by 600%. I mean, it is economic malpractice. So, Brian, explain to people who don't who don't understand, you know, these big companies, they could afford fifteen dollars an hour. Explain why this cancels their jobs. Because not only can not all big companies can afford it, you know, profit margins aren't that big. And, and especially small businesses really often cannot afford it, especially in low-cost places like Mississippi and Puerto Rico. You know, they tried raising the minimum wage really high in Puerto Rico about 15 years ago, and it cost something like 40% unemployment. Oh, my gosh. But here's, an- but here's another point. Even if companies can afford it, it doesn't mean they will. Because, you know, companies aren't charities. If they're going to take a loss... On, on an employee, if that employee is only worth $10 an hour, they're not going to pay them 15 even if they can afford it. What they're going to do is switch to automation. And that's why the higher the minimum wage goes, the more likely it is that you're going to walk into a Taco Bell and go up to a little machine and press a lot of buttons in order to get your Big Mac. I mean, it was the, the old automat or the old, uh, what is it, automatic, I think, was the uh, restaurant up in New York where you didn't have anybody waiting on you back in the 1930s. Now there's no one behind the machine to stuff the food in. Now it will just be a machine. And we would call that progress anywhere else, but because it's going to put people out of work now, it's go- it's going to be devastating to the economy, especially when you have truck drivers who are going to be the first on the block when automated trucks are everywhere on the highway. And that's part of the plan. You know, Andrew Yang has been saying we need universal basic income for all the jobs lost to automation. Well, they're speeding up the shift to automation yeah. by, by essentially banning all jobs that don't pay $15 an hour. You're going to put a lot of people out of work. Then we're, just, we're going to have to spend a trillion dollars on their, on their universal basic income payment. So you're going to end up paying for that, too. So there, there, were, there are places like in New York City, and not today, there are places in New York City with $15 an hour would be reasonable. Um, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to pay higher if you're living in, in New York City. Um, but there are also places all over the country where $15 an hour is quite a haul. Why fifteen dollars is crazy for a national number? It's not sensitive to local economies and local conditions. You know, Seattle and San Francisco can, can, can afford it much easier than places like again Mississippi or Puerto Rico, where prices are, are lower, wages are lower. You know, the, in Mississippi, the average manufacturing job doesn't even pay fifteen dollars an hour. You know, forget fast food; even even you know a manufacturing job doesn't pay that. And that's why I think that the better solution is to leave minimum wage up to the states. Mm-hmm. You know, some, st- some states have been raising their minimum wage. Some cities have been raising their minimum wage. Other cities and states with lower costs haven't because the local, po- the local elected officials understand a little better the local economic conditions and needs. A $15 national floor is, is, is bonkers coming out of Washington. Tell me about Seattle, because the initial response was this is going to put the restaurants out of business. What has happened to Seattle since they put this in? 
Seattle uh, has, has done a $15 wage, and it, it has slowed down employment, certainly. It, it hasn't caused an epic crash in the state, um, but the, the employment growth over the last couple of years certainly slowed down. There has been somewhat of a shift to a- automation. E- even the trade-off exists in Seattle. Um, it hasn't caused a crash, but, but there has been a definite uh, slowdown in the growth of, low, of, of a lot of the jobs that are affected by the minimum wage. So we have, according to President uh, Biden now, a $11 trillion in new spending over the uh, uh, decade. They're no longer looking for the offsets. Um, he's saying that $3 trillion in new taxes uh, will help offset that. Um, I mean, we're just, we're printing money, right? I mean, we're really on uh, modern monetary theory at this point, right? Without calling it that. We are. In fact, last year when we ran a $3.3 trillion deficit, two-thirds of that was funded by the Federal Reserve, was funded by the printing press. So we are, we are printing money. We're not taxing it. We're not even really borrowing it. We're funding it out of the printing press. Right. And you're right. I mean, b- what Biden has proposed is $11 trillion in new spending over the decade. You know, to put that in context... John Kerry pr- proposed two trillion over the decade in '04. Obama proposed one trillion. Cl- Hillary Clinton proposed two trillion. Then Biden proposed eleven trillion, which shows that although Biden ran as a as a moderate, today's Democratic Party has shifted so far to the left that eleven trillion dollars <laughs> sounded like a moderate. It's a huge <laughs> amount. And by the way, that eleven trillion. That's on top of the baseline deficit of about $15 trillion over the decade. So really, Biden would oh have us run total deficits of about $26 trillion over the decade. Is that number optimistic, too, Brian? I mean, does that reflect reality, even $26 trillion? Uh, it's, it's optimistic in that those numbers were before the recession. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, wow. and also assumes no interest rate hikes exactly these numbers the the scary thing about all these numbers is they assume interest rates stay low forever and let me tell you if interest rates rise one point higher than the congressional budget office assumes that would add 30 trillion over 30 years oh my gosh oh my gosh okay so (laughs) wow um you know people say this is not weimar it's not zimbabwe and it's not yet do we you know it wasn't weimar until a certain point and then it was like oh my gosh and it's too late any idea when it becomes too late i mean we are headed correct me if i'm wrong we're headed for a zimbabwe or a or a weimar if we don't stop this at some point right oh the trends are absolutely unsustainable i mean in total uh, the Congressional Budget Office proposed $104 trillion in deficits over the next 30 years, even before the recession, even with low interest rates. $104 trillion over 30 years. You know, you add in a little interest rate increase, you add in what we're going through right now, you could be up to $150 trillion over 30 years. Okay, so These numbers are so big, it sounds like monopoly money. And it At will be point, monopoly, <laughs> monopoly money. Yeah. At some point... Uh, the system can't hold it up, and that could be in five years, seven years, ten years. A lot of it really depends on the bond market. If, to the extent that the bond market is lending Washington money, at some point they're going to say, we're going to stop lending you. We don't think you're good for this. This is ridiculous. 
and you're going to have to pay us twice as high of interest rates to compensate for the risk. At that point, you get into this vicious circle where Washington has to pay higher interest rates in order to attract lenders, which only makes the borrowing more, which makes them even more nervous, which requires even higher interest rates. At that point, I think what happens is Washington says, okay, forget finding lenders. We're just going to use the printing press. And that's when you start looking like <laughs> Weimar Germany. Well, didn't we, say, didn't we already kind of hit this in some ways? I mean, I think yeah. it was over last summer or the summer before. We offered bonds, and nobody took them, and the, and the Fed just started buying them. Yeah, I mean, in the short term, we're facing that right now because with deficits, $3.3 trillion last year could be even bigger this year. There just isn't enough people buying bonds to pay for that. As a matter of fact, the number of borrowing we're getting internationally, new borrowing has been pretty much zero. Um, China and Japan have, have not been buying our bonds at all. And domestically, there just isn't enough savers in order to pay for all this. So right now, we're facing, you know, the printing press running it because we can't we can't find three to four trillion dollars a year for for domestic people to to lend to us. Now, hopefully, as the recession ends, the deficit goes down to only one or two trillion dollars a year. I put only in air quotes. That'll be a little bit easier to finance, but the, but. It's not sustainable long term to keep borrowing one, two, three trillion dollars a year. Have you seen what's happening in Davos with the Great Reset? Uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Everybody's carrying such a heavy load. Um, yesterday, they said all we need is fifty trillion dollars, uh, and we can we can do all these things. Fifty yeah. trillion. That sounds like where politics are right now. You know, a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I wrote an article that said the Democrats' proposals would cost $42 trillion over 10 years, and people thought I was crazy to use a number that big. No one would ever propose that. And now these numbers are old hat. You know, Green New Deal, uh, Medicare for All, all of this stuff. We, we, we're hearing $50, $100 trillion thrown around like they're nothing. Thank you so much. Uh, Brian, I'd love to have you on again, but uh, I need to take some medicine here before... <laughs> <laughs> I talked to you again. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. I, I would like to go in a little further on what it means when the dollar starts to lose its value and, and who really gets hurt. It's the people who always played by the rules and people who have their money in a savings bank. Exactly. Uh, all right, Brian, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Brian knows that stuff better than anybody. I swear, he's a great follow on Twitter at Brian underscore Riedel, I believe it is, R-I-E-D-L. Uh, great place to go because he's got this stuff, and he's been saying it the whole time. He was saying it, every president, going back even, through the even years, Trump. through Trump, all yeah. the whole time. You know, a lot of conservatives haven't focused on the budget here and the debt for a while. Hopefully, that's going to return here with Biden as president because it's really important. That is, I mean, that is the one good thing about the Biden administration is at least conservatives will start paying attention to the debt again. Some people find their faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, John lives in Kansas. A few years ago, back injury made it so he was living every single day in pain. He tried a number of different things to try to make it go away or at least dull it down. Nothing really worked. Fortunately, John listens to the radio. Even more fortunately, he has good taste in radio shows. Hello, John. He heard a certain velvety voice talk radio guy talking about relief factor. John was like, I don't know if I believe this clown. Wait a minute. That wasn't. 
by the by the point that he heard me talk about it, he was living with back pain uh for years and he had he's he was at the point of i give anything a try so he ordered the three-week quick start well that radio man turned out to be right because he writes within a few weeks I felt better uh, that I have not only in years, but I, I felt better than I had before my injury. He got his life back. You can, too. It's not a drug. It was developed by doctors, and 70% of the people who try it for three weeks go on to order more because it works for them. Order the three-week quick start and see if it works for you. Nineteen ninety-five is the three-week trial pack. You can get it at relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-583-84, 800-583-84, it's relieffactor.com. So they're keeping the National Guard in Washington, D.C., and nobody will explain why. Uh, yesterday... We asked the Army Secretary, uh, why are the troops still there? They referred the uh, Washington Examiner to the FBI. The FBI declined to respond. Now, the acting secretary for the Army, John Whitley, told reporters yesterday in a conference call That what I can tell you is in terms of what the FBI is briefing us is that there are several upcoming events that we need to be here for. Um, When pushed on it, he said, we don't engage in intelligence work ourselves. We rely on federal partners and particularly the FBI to provide that information Um, after the January 6th Capitol riot. Intelligence failures by law enforcement were cited by former Trump Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy. Um, he said, uh, you know, we, we should have been notified of this and had the troops there. Uh, they said, we don't do in domestic intelligence. We don't know. It's against the law for us to do this. Whitley said FBI briefings have indicated that an upcoming unlawful First Amendment protected protest could be used by malicious actors to incite more violence. We're posturing our forces to be able to respond to these threats if they emerge. Uh so we, we've got we have 7,000 guard members that will be there until this weekend and they're going to keep 5,000 National Guard members at the Capitol until mid-March let's not normalize this American military troops on the streets of our nation's capital yeah can we not normalize this I think the people need to demand some answers, and your governor needs to say, what are you doing, or I'm pulling them back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. First, let me tell you about our sponsor. It's a real estate agents I trust. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, you need somebody who knows what they're doing, especially in this game. Boy, you want, you want to buy a house. Holy cow. If have houses, are, uh, I don't know what it's like in your neighborhood. It's a crazy market right now. Somebody in my neighborhood, somebody just knocked on their door and offered them a bunch of money way over what they would even have thought about selling it for. It wasn't even on the market. It wasn't even on the market. No. They just knocked on the door and they said, give you uh, this one, give you a million dollars more than uh, what your house is, you know, it was you, you paid for it. And he was like, okay, hang on, let me get my stuff. Uh, <laughs> you need somebody that really knows how to make sure they can get the best price for you for your house and 
Uh, also, the best price for you getting into a new house. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. I want you to put your hands together and I want you to raise them up over your head and I want you to say thank you Jesus uh, because there is a COVID miracle that is happening all around this great land you know Joe Biden said miracles just don't happen but we got a Joe Biden COVID miracle right here on our hands and I want you to recognize that miracle in the next few minutes we're going to tell you all about it with a great preacher friend of mine mr steve dace in 60 seconds the Glenn Beck program built bar yes built bar is uh saving my butt uh because uh i don't know about you but i have a real sweet tooth i am trying to lose uh, about uh, over 50 pounds uh in the uh next year and i'm i'm down Five pounds, I think, now total since the beginning of the year. And I have a really big sweet tooth. And uh, there's nothing that I have ever had that uh, kind of cures that. I'm up at night looking for cookies or ice cream or something until Built Bar. It is a tremendous, tremendous uh, treat, especially if you're trying to lose weight. Uh, It is a protein bar. And I know protein bars. Oh, that sounds awful. They are truly, truly (laughs) gag worthy. Um, They never taste good. And if it's a diet protein bar, it's worse because then it tastes like chemicals, not the built bar. This is made with real chocolate. I don't know how they do it. I don't care if it's witchcraft, voodoo witchcraft. I don't care. Built bar. Keep doing it because I love it. Uh, you, they're about a hundred to 130 calories, uh, each one. Uh, like I said, they taste like a candy bar, but they have everything in it that you need. It's a great protein bar and great for your diet. It's built bar. Go to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code Beck. You'll get 20% off your next order. It's promo code Beck, 20% off builtbar.com. Mr. Steve Dace is here to talk to us about (laughs) he thinks it's strange that this miraculous turnaround on covid has happened but i'd say it is part of the miracle that is joe biden welcome steve dace morning guys the ride over here you guys had this thing what's that yellow thing in the sky i haven't seen that where i'm from in a month and a half yeah (laughs) we have it all the time i rolled the window down in the car and i felt like rusty on remember the movie mask I felt like rusty and the sun <laughs> shining on my face. It was a miracle. Yeah, indeed. It is yes. nice here. It's nice. Uh, so, Steve, let's talk a little bit about the COVID miracle. We have indeed. You touched the hem of Joe Biden's dementia, and look what happens. Look what Glenn. happens. Yes. Right? Yes. People are healed. New York is opening up. Yes. Uh, California. Yesterday, Gavin Newsom came up and said, "Hey, all of this stay-at-home stuff. Yeah, it's, it's over." Yeah. What happened? Well, they have the worst spike in the country, actually, right now in the state of California. It, it is 
it's cynical it's cynical and it's sinister and we knew it was coming but to watch it unfold in real time is still a sight to behold nevertheless i mean if you go back and trace to uh when joe biden was certified uh the uh, the winner on january the 6th mm-hmm. and if you look at the 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 series of uh well fortunate events if you want your life back <laughs> that has occurred since then mm-hmm. you you cannot do anything but retcon it and trace it back guys to the fact that hey we're in charge now and lockdowns just aren't politically useful uh, to us anymore. Uh, to me, the most, you mentioned several examples. Uh, there's Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Remember, oh, you yeah. know, I, I mean, last winter and spring, you couldn't buy seed to work mm-hmm. in your yard in mm-hmm. Michigan, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is happening all over the country, except if you're in Ohio governed by the appropriately named Republican Mike DeWine, who seems to be uh, completely drunk on Branch Cavidian Kool-Aid. <laughs> but in a lot of other places where Democrats just talk the woke game and order to get power but really it's just because they'd like to be sitting in box seats at their favorite major league team this summer instead of the republicans Mm -hmm. suddenly they're like you know what we need to reopen this thing and the most cynical of them all was one hour after joe biden was inaugurated the world health organization came out and said stop testing all these asymptomatic people your cycle thresholds uh, for pcr testing positive tests are all too high you know the stuff people like us got crushed with our facebook traffic and demonetized mm-hmm. by the quote-unquote uh-uh, facebook science team mm-hmm. uh, for saying all last fall um now the world health organization is saying it now that joe biden is in there so um Stu, you know the opposite uh, argument uh, for the testing, you know, because I've heard a lot of people say this testing is going to make things look a lot better because the cycle, you know, you run 40 cycles and it, it picks up things that aren't necessarily there or dead virus, et cetera, et cetera. Give me the opposing argument. I'd like to hear you, too. Well, I mean, I don't think that there's an opposing argument to whether you should be able to post what you believe is true. No, right? no, 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 not not that uh, the actual testing that it doesn't really change that much. Uh, well, I mean, like the, the arg- I guess the argument would be that, you know, you have a, the PCR test, right? That mm-hmm. they can, they run a certain amount of cycles. And so they basically, these are heating cycles that try to manipulate to, uh, magnify the virus basically. Mm-hmm. So you can detect it. Um, th- most of them run 30, 40, 50 cycles. It's a matter of when they get picked up. Mm-hmm. There's a certain percentage of those tests that wind up in a late sort of run, right? Where they'll be like maybe in the 40th cycle. Um, the concept is that those tests should be rerun, which is what they were trying to state in this in this alert. Um, they've been terrible at communicating things from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And we've been hammering on them from the very beginning to explain these things in a way that people could understand. Um, you know, if these tests come up and they have they wind up being uh, there's a certain percentage chance of, of, of false positives if they run in those later cycles. Now, there's the very low chance of PCR tests, generally speaking, coming out as false positives. That's, you know, typically not the way they work, right? When you amplify something and you're looking for something very specific, you're not going to see that um, amplify. Uh, Like, for example, if you had like a Lady Gaga song playing really quietly and you turned it up as loud as you can and you kept amplifying it and amplifying it, Lady Gaga would get very loud, right? You would never detect Barry Manilow in there. Right. 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 That's just not how it works. Right. However, if there's if they screw up, which they've done many times. If the testing, uh, if the sample is uh, manipulated or uh, defective in some way, you can have those situations happen. If the lab isn't run appropriately, you can have some of these positive tests. So it is significant. It's just that the question is whether it, I mean, it doesn't, I don't think you'd make the case. I mean, I've, you know, seen many of Steve's posts where you talk about this is a serious thing and it's killed a lot of people. The question is, why do we have to deal with these sensors who come in? 
And every time when you make a point like this, Mm -hmm. you get thrown off. And when the World Health Organization comes in and says, yeah, there might be some of these. They don't come back and put you back on exactly on the internet. You don't like get I've your, got, your reputation not, my, back. I, I checked my inbox before I came on. No I, apologies. I not received anything from the Facebook <laughs> Science team? <laughs> not really. No. Nothing. And, and and why? There's no good answers to your question. See, I thought you were going to raise the point that if we if we had a more accurate testing system, you're right that PCR testing is considered the gold standard. Mm-hmm. But there's always the human element, right? Yeah. Meaning, yeah. how many times do I look at something and eventually I'll find it if I want? But is that some kind of viral artifact? Well, Will it actually be something that uh, if someone comes into contact with it, will it still be infectious, right? Yeah, and that's okay. a huge difference. And there's like, no yeah. distinctions being drawn there. No. There haven't been until, well, an hour after Joe Biden got inaugurated. <laughs> right. Now there are. But and, but the reason why that's so important to note, because the other arg- argument is, well, if you get rid of all these asymptomatic positives, then you guys always want to talk about how low the IFR is for this, the mm-hmm. infection fatality rate, that it's actually just slightly higher than the flu, like Anthony Fauci originally wrote in February in the New England Journal of Medicine. Mm-hmm. You guys always talk about that. Well, if you get rid of all the asymptomatic positives, the IFR rate's going to go way up. And I agree that it will. But see, but that's different because the strategy from the beginning has been to control this virus by locking down the healthy, locking down the asymptomatic. Okay. If we, if we particularly, if we specifically identify who is the most prone to this, then we will do what human societies have been doing since Bible times with outbreaks, isolating the people who are infected or the most vulnerable to being infected. But the rest of society has to go on. Yeah. That's we we have been doing that as a species for thousands of years. This one time for reasons only Allah knows, we decided <laughs> to do the exact opposite of that. It seems like too the the antigen tests are a, a, an interesting part of this battle in that like it seems to uh, more accurately identify people with active with virus that can cultures, infect others right. and yeah. like that's really the important like there's there's two things that are important, right? Knowing who has had the virus six months ago is important to know how it spread. And, and there's a lot of things that scientific, scientists can pr- prove out of that. And we can understand the virus better. But as far as like, should you be able to go into work next Tuesday? Right, right. Like that is like the antigen test seems to do a much better job. At that's what the NFL has been using. Yeah. Uh, that's what a lot of the college teams used. And then if you got a positive, they went to the PCR route to, to verify that. But even with the National Football League, which you would assume those people have as Lots good of a private health insurance as any private Uh industry in the country they had dozens upon dozens upon dozens of false positives this year so let me bring you back because i I honestly feel like uh we're entering the days of galileo again let me give you two comments that came out of the davos uh, uh speeches yesterday on the great reset from the world economic forum uh this one comes from the president of the european union Quote, a new study by the Center for Human Progress demonstrates that fake news spreads six times faster than real news, owed to the fact that fake news does not have the burden of having to go through the journalistic process of verification of facts. Therefore, new regulations must be set for social media platforms around the world, requiring all news stories and articles to go through a validation process before they're allowed to be published or Mm -hmm. shared. This comes from the editor of the Times of London yesterday at the World Economic Forum. Freedom of speech is a sacred right, but freedom to lie, to mislead and fool others is not. If your speech disagrees with science, it is a lie. If it disagrees with facts, it is a lie. Lies are not protected by free speech. 
well, maybe no, not in London, but lies are protected here in the United States. Mm-hmm. All speech should be protected and is under the Constitution. But what caught me here was Galileo, if you can hear me, if your speech disagrees with science, mm-hmm. it's a lie. Which science? I mean, one of the things that has been, and we've, I've talked about this with you guys before, the, the biggest surprise to me since I started pushing back on this last March is I, is I was hesitant to go out in front and push back because I was concerned that it was just going to be the blaze Breitbart brigade of, you know, of, of deplorables against the climate <laughs> mm-hmm. change agenda. Mm-hmm. This would just be a proxy for that, right? Mm-hmm. What shocked me is how in academic circles there was pushback right away. How, how epidemiologists at Oxford pushed back on Imperial College and its doomsday mm-hmm. model like the day after Boris Johnson succumbed to mm-hmm. it. How scientists at Stanford, long before I even knew who Scott Atlas was, all right, but, but epidemiologists at Stanford, uh, John Ioannidis and others, were pushing back on many of these things. Uh, scientists at Harvard, Yale, Carnegie Mellon, um, these are not insignificant places of academia. Most of these are places that teach people that life came out of nowhere because of uh, proteins and amino acids amino acids spontaneously combusted one day. There's 59 genders, right? Mm-hmm. The, they're not on Team Blaze, many of these places are. But even they looked at the models and the science and said, that dog won't hunt. And so one of the great mysteries to me this for the last year has been even within their own academic circles, there have been elite sectors of their own intelligentsia that have called BS on this and have largely just been ignored um, by our own scientists scientific uh, policy community there i think maybe we're learning that there's a scientific community and then there's a scientific policy community if you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. people who then want to weaponize their findings to create certain policy outcomes and if you go back to the very first imperial college model when i started researching imperial college one of their great benefactors is a guy named jeremy bentham and jeremy bentham is a radical climate alarmist and if you looked at all of neil ferguson's solutions for this they were all essentially proto versions of the Green New Deal, right out of Jerry, Jeremy Bentham's, uh, you know, uh, get rid of carbon-based, uh, uh, you know, products uh, fantasy. I want to I want to play something because what you just talked about, uh, we were warned of, and I want to play something uh, from history that is that is phenomenal that uh, you need to hear because yeah. you are saying exactly the same thing, and we're before it was prophecy, now it is. Now it's here, and we're living it. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. It's really nice to have somebody on your side, especially when it comes to how you choose to keep your financial house in order. If you're fiscally responsible and a homeowner, your best friends just might be the mortgage consultants over at American Financing. Please pick up the phone and give them a call today. They can do a mortgage review with you. you I mean, you might be in the uh, in the area of getting a refinance right at your fingertips. It will save you hundreds, if not a thousand dollars a month. That's a lot of money, especially over the course of your loan. And you don't reset the loan. American Financing is a family-owned business, been helping people just like you shore up their financial houses for over two decades now, and they work for you, not the bank. So you can trust that they're going to help you do what's best for you and your family. Whether it's consolidating debt or trying to get a lower mortgage rate going forward, American Financing is the place for you. Don't hesitate. Give them a call today and see what American Financing can do for you. American Financing, 800-906-2440 or go to AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID.
let me let me play something uh and and everybody's heard this warning from eisenhower but i want to play the whole thing and steve i'd love to have your comments on this after the country is turning into an oligarchy and we were warned by eisenhower about this now listen to what he said akin to and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly. A steadily increasing share is conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor, tinkering in his shop, has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the free university, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. That is, those are powerful words. But listen, he goes on to talk about the technological revolution having its own family tree. Listen to this. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money is ever present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Now, listen to the last thing. He says, this is how it's all going to come together if we don't pay attention, which we didn't. Listen. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Unhappily, the danger it poses promises to be of indefinite duration. To meet it successfully, there is call for not so much the emotional and transitory sacrifices of crisis, but rather those which enable us to carry forward steadily, surely and without complaint, the burdens of a prolonged and complex struggle with liberty, the stake. We have not protected the because of the military industrial complex bleeding into science, science and government and the private corporations working together on money for money, then having to go to the educational elite. They're just doing things giving the government and the the complex whatever answer they want and it's now being driven by this really hostile ideology which you're now seeing in the great reset and by oligarchs all around the world and we've lost our place you see it in something simply practical that 
in a lot of these states that were where there were shutdowns. If you had a small or family-owned business, yes. you had to shut down. You couldn't be it couldn't it couldn't be assumed that you could protect your clientele from COVID. But if it was one of these big box stores with a lot more overhead and a lot more exposure, frankly, it was assumed that they could, and they have been open the entire time. Right. That th- those are just some of the practical assumptions that are the result of the belief system he's up against. And really what we're talking about, I describe, I describe it on my show as a spirit of the age. It's really a rival religion. It's almost like a modern babble. And, you know, just like within Christianity, there's this constant tension, um, you know, God is sovereign, but we have free will. And so we have debated those two dueling tensions within the faith for thousands of years. They have a tension in their religion as well, which is they believe human nature is not fallen and in need of redemption, that human nature is perfectly fine. They're Pelagian, as Holly once pointed, Senator Holly described it. They're, they're Pelagian in nature. But then at the same time, they assert, though, that even human nature is basically good and we can chart our own path and make up our own realities and moralities. But they then say, but you don't know how to wield that basic natural freedom unless you're guided by a, a higher evolved set of people that can show you how to channel that freedom into the way that we want you to. And so that's the tension where they believe and that that's why we catch them in hypocrisies all the time. Why can I choose to get an abortion, but I can't choose whether or not to wear a mask, right? We mm-hmm. catch them in those kinds of hypocrisies because abortion is approved by that higher set wearing a mask you not wearing a mask not approved by that higher set and so it's hypocrisy to us in their worldview though from the upside down the other side of the looking glass glenn it makes perfect sense we approved this we didn't approve that steve dace you can hear him on his podcast wherever you get podcasts and you'll hear him live in about a half an hour on the blaze radio network and blaze tv make sure you subscribe blaze tv.com use the promo code glenn and save 30 percent right now this is the glenn back program all right our sponsor is patriot mobile patriot mobile i mean we got to start doing business with people who are fighting with us not against us we have to do business with people who believe in our morals and and are building something that we all need, like communication, not fighting against us. But we also have to do business with people who may be doing that, but it's good, if not better uh, than the alternative. Patriot Mobile has done that. First, they're not sending any of their money to Planned Parenthood like Verizon does. Uh, They're on the same cell towers as everybody else. So everybody uses the same technology, same backbone. So you're going to get the same great coverage. Now, they also have really good uh, customer service, much better than the others. And uh, you're also going to save a lot of money. And right now, they'll give you a premier activation because it's always a hassle to switch. Not with not with PatriotMobile.com. You'll uh, they'll have the the phone all set up for you. You get a special gift that with the offer code Beck. Same service, lower price, values you believe in. PatriotMobile.com/slash/Beck nine seven two Patriot. PatriotMobile.com/slash/Beck. And you can get Steve Dace's commentary on COVID, politics, and so much more every day as part of your Blaze TV subscription. Go to BlazeTV.com/slash/Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save thirty bucks. Two weeks ago on TV, we talked about government and private industry coming together in the Biden administration. We're just getting started. Now, normally this is about corruption, and I believe it is still about corruption, but in a very different way. 
Every time our researchers have opened a closet at the Biden White House, another special interest skeleton tumbles out. Tonight, we're going to look at the major stakeholders who have their tentacles all over the White House and what they really want. The new Biden administration is already showing America the natural end result that comes from decades of being dominated by special interest groups. Eventually, you get the government beholden to these groups, and you can call those groups stakeholders. These stakeholders have vested interest in the actions and policies of the government. Now you don't know who is serving who, where the head of this Hydra really is. Uh, tonight, you don't want to miss it. Find out who these stakeholders are, what they want, who they're working with inside the Biden administration. 9 p.m. Eastern, only on blazetv.com slash Glenn. We ask that you would join us. We are headed for very, very difficult waters. And uh, uh, I I wish I could tell you uh, some things, but I'm not going to uh, because it only make things worse. Uh, I uh, we're headed for very difficult waters and we need your support. At blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and you'll save 30%. Also, you'll see this special tonight at 9 o'clock on blazetv.com and blazetv YouTube. So make sure you uh, watch it one way or another. You don't want to miss tonight. And it's going to tie together several things. It is very important that you understand and do your homework on The Great Reset. We have a book coming out. Um, I'm not sure when we're going to get it out, but it's going to be soon. We're working on it right now. Um, But it's a very difficult thing to understand. You have to really pay attention to what the World Economic Forum is doing because they're very slippery on uh, the way they the way they phrase things. They're talking about going from shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism. Well, who are the stakeholders? They will always say it's you. But when the push comes to shove and they defined it yesterday um, on a tweet that was uh, tagging me because of it was in response of something I said yesterday, that this is an oligarchy in the making. And somebody at the World Economic Forum is listening to this program while they're busy in Davos to try to uh, correct any errors They said, no, 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 stakeholder capitalism is not an oligarchy. It is a partnership with everyone. The stakeholders are everyone. And the people are represented by their representatives in Washington, D.C. Well, I haven't felt my representative represented me in a very long time. And it is a way to get the government into our businesses. And then you'll have social uh, and um, economic and ecological justice that is happening. Let me give you a few things that happened yesterday in Davos at the World Economic Forum uh, and when they were talking about the new Great Reset. We don't want to return to normal. We don't want COVID to end and for us to return uh, to some form of status quo because it was the status quo that caught us, uh, caused this and brought us here to our knees. Those wishing for a return to normal must inherently wish for disease and destruction to return again and for more death in the future. That's the secretary general of the OECD. Let us not delude ourselves. This is from the prime minister of Spain. 
There can be no social justice without tax justice. But it is time to go one step farther. It is not enough to distribute income more fairly through taxation, but to take serious steps to ensure equal distribution of all wealth to all people, all races and all nations. Prime Minister of Spain. Um, this comes from uh, Alan Jope. He is the CEO of Unilever. ESG, which is Environmental, Social and Corporate Governments Programs. Uh, ESG programs is now central to how companies interface with investors, shareholders, and the public. At Unilever, one quarter of executive pay is directly linked to how we perform against social justice and climate issues. Okay. Um, Let me give you one more quote. This is from Klaus Schwab. He's the guy who's pushing this. Um, He's the head of the World Economic Forum. Stakeholder capitalism is a form of capitalism in which companies seek long-term value creation by taking into account the needs of all their stakeholders, including society at large. They don't seek profits for investors, but rather benefits for themselves and all stakeholders, including employees, customers, and all people. Unless capitalism can guarantee equality for all people, which it cannot, it's a failed system. So what are they talking about? Is this is this a march to Marxism? No, this is this is worse. This is worse. This is something uh, not new, uh, but something that the left and the right should be able to come together on. This is an oligarchy. Now, let me show you how it ties in to us right now. Did you hear about President Biden's made in America executive order? Sounds great, right? It aims to force U.S. government agencies to work closely with U.S. businesses rather than to pay foreign businesses for goods and services. Well, that's fantastic, right? That's Donald Trump could have done that. I mean, let's buy American. If the United States government is writing the check, let's have it benefit the United States of America and all of the employees here. I think we should favor U.S. businesses. The U.S. spends $600 billion every year on contracts. Let's spend that money here. Okay, that's probably all you heard in the media. But now let me show you the fine print. According to the order, the Biden administration is creating the federal agency called the Made in America Office. Do you you realize what the acronym is? Made in America office. Uh, sorry, yeah, Made in America office. So if you take the in out, I'm assuming. It's Mao. Mao. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to refer to this office as Mao. The from office here of on Mao. Out. Yes. One of the purposes of the Mao office is to force <laughs> other federal departments to spend more of their money on goods and services offered by the U.S. business, but exceptions are still permitted when appropriate. But the Made, the Mao will be uh, led by the director of Made in America office. It doesn't merely require the federal government to work more closely with U.S. businesses. Listen carefully and tie it together with what I just told you about stakeholder capitalism. It also mandates the government buy from businesses that promote left-wing goals. In other words, if you're not a woke business, the federal government may not be able to buy your goods and services. Why would Unilever 
make, you know, social justice part of their CEO compensation. Because if you're not engaged in social justice and climate change and 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 critical race theory, you're not going to be able to do business. Now, this was noted at the very end of the White House official statement about the new department. This order is deeply intertwined. I'm quoting with the president's commitment to invest in American manufacturing, including clean energy and critical supply chains grow good-paying union jobs, and advance racial equity. The federal government should buy from suppliers that are growing the sectors of the future and treating their workers with dignity and respect. Yes, half of that is true. The part about, you know, this is what companies should do, yes. But they are cloaking what's really happening. This is right out of the Great Reset playbook. You use the spending power of government to coerce businesses to pursue the left wing causes like clean energy or racial equity. You don't have the right ratios of Hispanics to Asians, for example. Then the federal government can't do business with you under this policy. The same can be true for those businesses who don't rely enough on electric vehicles or that profit in some way from CO2 producing energy sources or those businesses without enough union workers do you see what's happening the government is forcing people into this and the big corporations don't care they just don't care so the language of the order is so vague in the policy section that it could be interpreted to give the new mao agency the power to deny contracts for virtually any reason It reads, quote, the United States government should, whenever possible, procure goods, products, materials and services from sources that will help American businesses compete in strategic industries and help America's workers thrive. Wow, that all sounds great. Unless you know what it really means. Strategic industries that help America workers thrive could mean just about anything To the Mao director. It opens the doors to all kinds of crazy policies. Tonight, I will show you those American corporations, those coming oligarchs that have their hands all over the Biden administration and how it ties into the Great Reset. Tonight, don't miss it on blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Please tell a friend. This is not Marxism. This is not socialism. This is not communism. It's not state capitalism. It is stakeholder capitalism. And stakeholder capitalism, you're only represented in that if you're an investor in the company or your House of Representatives, your congressman, your senator, they'll represent you. And if the government is fine with it, then you're going to be fine because you have representation. That is nothing. Well, let me quote Klaus Schwab. Capitalism has failed. No, it hasn't. But we are on a whole new, well, we're entering a brave new world. What if I was around the TV like an hour before your special? Was there be anything in particular I could watch? Not really. Or, no, Not no really. options? I think we were on cartoons. 
I mean, you're talking about eight o'clock Eastern. Eight o'clock Eastern. Blaze, yeah, Blaze TV. It might be a great time to tune into Blaze TV. Mm, not really. I think it's reruns, cartoon, no, maybe it, an old western. It's not. It's 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 Stu Does America. It's going to be a great episode nah, leading into so. yours. No, nah, I don't think so. I think it's a western. A what? Yeah. Are they not what airing are, my show? It's a silent western. Oh, okay. Even. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have on your show today? Uh, we're actually going to the this the GameStop thing a little bit, uh, which is going to be fascinating. It's fascinating. It's like you know, it's going to cause a massive. Uh, pushback from the Democrats on capitalism. Oh, regulatory. Wait till you see. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. And also uh, uh, Biden's executive climate orders and all the craziness going on there. So some good stuff. Yeah, good also stuff. Also you, I think. I think you're going to be on, which I'm excited about uh, until this set, this moment. Matt Dillon is going to be the guest tonight, not me. <laughs> there are people in their cars that are like, Matt I haven't heard Dillon. Matt Dillon in a <laughs> long time. It's a very yeah. random person yeah. to be booking. All right, let me tell you about Goldline. They are offering a huge promotion on self-directed IRA acquisitions for retirement accounts right now. Retirement account. You think you're fine with your retirement account. Um, as the dollar falls, you're going to get screwed. Because everything is, everything you, you, you can have a whole bunch of money, but nothing your money will be able to buy as it starts to uh, crash down. Call and find out how to protect your long-term retirement portfolio with physical precious metals. Also, Goldline is running an extremely limited inventory special on their legal tender bars. Um, these are things that I, I work together with Goldline and the Canadian Mint to design. Uh, I, I wanted it for my kids who were at the time kind of all over the country and we were in New York and, you know, God only knows where you're going to be if things break down. I wanted something that they could have in their purse or their wallet that were actually gold, little pieces of gold that were, you know, like coins that you would know that's from the Canadian Mint. Tenth of an ounce coins. It's the gold illegal tender bar, and uh, it acts like a coin. It's one of my favorite products. It has been out of stock now for months, and Goldline has just gotten the Canadian Mint to mint new limited batch of the cards probably be sold out within the next couple of days on top of that for every card purchased you'll receive a half ounce pure silver bullion coin at no additional cost get them before they're gone this week they're standing by waiting to hear from you call 866 goldline 866 goldline or goldline.com welcome to the uh, glenbeck program I I, 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 I want to go over this GameStop thing again. Okay. When when the stock was at $2 a share, right? Mm-hmm. $2 a share. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys on Reddit, they decided that they were going to run this up. Now, if I did this on national radio, it would be illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't say, hey, everybody, let's do this. But apparently on Reddit, you can. Yeah, it's public. Usually public openly speaking about your opinion on a stock is fine um doing it in private venues is usually not fine and secondarily doing it fcc has all sorts of laws about Correct. how you can do that so Correct. that's in a different conversation so let's say you invested in the two dollar stock when everybody was on reddit and they're like hey let's let's buy this up and yeah. he, the guy the first he invested fifty thousand dollars yep his life savings supposedly uh, this guy on Reddit and then started talking about this uh, theory, which has proved to be very, very accurate. Uh, so as of yesterday, it was up to $15 million it was worth. However, the stock has basically doubled today. 
So this is craziness. It's in- insane. It is craziness. Uh, you know, the the you're putting billionaire hedge fund investors out of business, maybe shutting down. There's rumors of bankruptcy of this hedge fund. If this happens, I mean, these guys are not going to be happy and they know a lot of people. <laughs> but a few of these guys are going to get very, very wealthy off of it. I wonder what the repercussions are going to be, not just for them, but when Democrats start saying this can't oh, happen, look yeah. at how bad capitalism oh, is. Yeah. That's around the corner, too. Uh, Stu will have more on that at 8 o'clock Eastern tonight on uh, Stu Does GameStop. And tonight, my Wednesday night special immediately follows 9 p.m. Eastern Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program.